I'm Scott Kerr, and you're listening to Facing the Giants, a podcast where I speak to today's luxury entrepreneurs about taking on the Goliaths of the industry. My guest on Facing the Giants is James Gardner, founder and CEO of Grupo Gatano, a growing luxury hospitality brand whose restaurant and beach club concepts are built through a fashion lens. Gatano first opened as a small mezcal bar and kitchen in the jungle of Tulum, Mexico, and has expanded its brand footprint with properties across Mexico and the U.S., including Miami and New York City, with more to be announced. Welcome, James. Hi, Scott. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks so much for coming on the show. You know, New York Fashion Week just wrapped up recently, and since 2018, your Gatano New York City locations were hot spots for the fashion set during New York Fashion Week. This year, unfortunately, you didn't have any activations. Did it feel a little weird? So we actually we actually did. I mean, since we opened in New York City in 2018, since the very beginning of Pitano, we've we've looked at hospitality through a fashion lens, I would say. Right. Creating gorgeous spaces, you know, with long dramatic runways you may have seen if you've if you've been to our locations. Yep. Um, and sort of creating a platform for people to get dressed up and go for dinner some dancing, really a place to see, be seen and connect. I mean, that's always, always been our vision. When we moved to New York in 2018, and from that time ever since, including um, 2022, we have really attracted those people. Um, and we've been a hotspot for, for fashion during Fashion Week, but the whole season. Um, during Fashion Week, there's always so much going on, as you know. Uh, and we we have hosted different dinners and and so forth. So, I mean, I would I would say that um, you know that's an important part of what we do, and and so so we did. You know, like many founders I've interviewed on Facing the Giants, your professional chapters before launching your own company were telling a completely different story. And the chapters in your narrative covered Wall Street, fashion, and now hospitality. Can you share with my listeners a little bit about your career journey before and leading up to launching Gatano? Sure. Um, I, I feel that all of the steps and chapters up to this point prepared me for, for what is Gitano, which, you know, kind of melds together all the skills I, I learned. I had a first chapter on Wall Street, second chapter in fashion and tech. And a lot of those skills and learnings have, have, have been applied to, to building Hitano with, with you know, taking a, a bit of a different approach. I started at Accenture in London, actually, um, doing strategy and technology consulting. Um, and just that whole consulting mentality and approach to strategy has, has been a key I would say key skill set that's helped me navigate various different industries. Um, in early in my career, I had the opportunity to move to New York City to work. I started in London. Um, I grew up in the UK, and I had an opportunity to move to New York City. Initially, it was for six months, and it turned out to be forever. <laughs> it seemed. And uh, I worked initially at Goldman Sachs and, and I had my first nine years on, on Goldman Sachs. And while I was working on Wall Street, I also had a, a, a blossoming and fun, very creative social life where I became friends with some fashion industry insiders at a time when I knew absolutely nothing about the industry and the people. Um, and I learned a lot as an outsider, being friends with these people about the industry, how they speak and communicate and their taste in music, eclectic taste in music. And that was a big 
influence on what we've, we've done at Hitano. I then formed and founded, co-founded a tech company working with some of the biggest fashion and luxury brands in the world. This was in 20, 2003, when many of these brands didn't have any kind of digital presence, can you believe? But we were innovators and leaders in taking these brands online, starting with markjacobs.com, where we launched uh, that with their fashion show in September 2004, actually. Then we developed an e-commerce platform for Bottega Veneta. Then we were working with Burberry in London. And suddenly we were pretty much working with every major fashion and luxury brand in New York, London, Paris, Milan. Um, and that was a, a fun journey that lasted about nine years. Um, I was nine years on Wall Street, nine years doing that. And then in 2013, um, I had a complete career change. And um, that's when we started Hitano, the end of 2013. You know, in 2013, when you launched Gitano as a small restaurant and bar concept in the jungles of Tulum Beach in Mexico, and at that time, Tulum had already moved away from being a counterculture haven to the next best thing. What was going on in your world at the time, and what was the catalyst for entering the hospitality space? So we had been traveling to Tulum since 97, I think. I was trying to think about the exact year the other day, but a couple of years after I'd moved to New York and uh, met my partner, Andrew, we've been together over a very long time, shall we say. And um, we were introduced to Tulum by some fashion insider friends, Massimo Cubiello and various others. Um, who who said it was an undiscovered spot? Lots of uh, you know, not lots of people, but some fashion insiders were doing shoots there, and so we flew down. And we we would often leave New York City on the weekend and go to Miami, which is where I'm at right now, by the way. Um, and uh, so so, but we were always looking for new places. Uh, we went to Tulum, and the very first time we arrived and saw miles of white sandy beaches, and, and it was only a four-hour direct flight from from New York, we fell in love. And, uh, you know, we, we would still travel to other places, St. Bart's, Ibiza, Mykonos even, and wherever we were in these other places, we would say to each other, we just wished Tulum had somewhere to get dressed up and go out for dinner. That's all that was really missing. And uh, in 2013, I had some, some changes overall um, in life that led to a big career and lifestyle change, actually. And that's when we started off going to Tulum for a holiday and ended up building or, you know, founding a, a small bar. And it was a mezcal bar and kitchen, believe it or not, at the end of 2013. And have since it started as a, as a little side project and fairly quickly turned into something that I saw could be much bigger. Um, and, and that was that was really the how Chitano started and what was going on. What did you learn from working with major luxury fashion brands like Burberry and Gucci and Alexander Wang, Tom Ford and others that helped you shape your brand strategy when you first launched? I So fantasy, I would say fantasy and storytelling. Um, and the importance of creating a, a, a strong and lasting emotional connection with the consumers. These brands are very good at doing, or they were very good at doing this offline in the real world, but not necessarily at that time so good in the digital world. I mean, now, obviously, they're, they're great at it. I mean, lots of it has changed since then. 
but that building that emotional connection through storytelling and fantasy was i i would say my my key takeaway and key strategy for hitano these brands are also very good at, at you know what separates a good brand and especially a good luxury brand is an obsessive and very disciplined focus on quality and details and everything from the products to communication at every touch point so i think that that's that was another key takeaway you know people really underestimate how difficult it is to start and run a restaurant successfully it's very challenging business with many moving parts and coming from a completely different industry what were some of your biggest challenges in getting Gatano Tulum off the ground and maintaining relevance among these influencers and celebrities and fashion icons who were really your core clientele i think that almost everything as i look back almost everything i've taken on has been what most people would see as an impossible task um and perhaps not taken on in the first place uh hitano nyc i you know i don't think any professional with hospitality experience in the city would have taken that on but i i do believe strongly in the power of beginners of a beginner's mind um and i think what what i brought to the table is is taking that with a real beginner's mind in terms of for example hospitality both in tulum at the end of 2013 and certainly hospitality in nyc 2018 so i I've, i've come with a, a a beginner's mind which allows you to ask any question there's no stupid question you know which is quite powerful mm-hmm. um mixed with this passion and drive that i have to not only succeed but do things differently um so when we opened uh when we first opened tulum as i said it was a sort of a side project but complicated with many challenges in the jungle is literally born in the jungle um with no infrastructure no power no relationships with liquor suppliers i remember in the early days driving back and forth to plaza carmen which is almost an hour from tulum to personally go and buy bottles of mezcal and tequila and champagne you know we have power cuts almost every night i mean there were so many jungle problems i would say back in those early years and we were very hands on in those days it was literally my my first experience working in a in a restaurant and you know and and owning and running and trying to build drew my other half by the way um while i was on moor street and when we first met he was a model artist but also worked at boulet do you remember boulet david mm-hmm. boulet yep number one restaurant in the old years michelin star he worked there for several years um with david boulet and dan barber and he come home sometimes crying because it was such a military mil- militaristic sort of environment <clears throat> um but he learned a lot about that side of things which which I've also so Tulum was very challenging um building from the ground up but but what I felt was important right from the beginning even with no knowledge on the inside of of hospitality I certainly had been to every great restaurant and every great fashion party and every great show and i knew that we that's what we had to bring to hitano from the start speaking to the right crowd from from the beginning and that's where i had the idea to um buy a giant disco ball in new york city and make a pink neon sign in new york city and fly a dj friend down on and the fee from new york city who was himself a, a fashion insider we put them all on a plane to tulum and and basically had an opening party on December 20th 
I personally designed the opening invite to look like a fashion dinner invite with a hand-drawn logo. We rolled it up on organic paper and, and hired some, some, some cute girls and boys from, you know, that were working and living around Tulum and had them walk up and down the beach inviting people. I mean, it was still a little bit pre-Instagram's, you know, current influence and importance. But right. so I guess we went back to the grassroots of what I had seen growing up in London and going to Ibiza on a weekend, a, a sort of traditional, I guess, party club promotion with a fashion twist. Um, and it worked. We filled the place with five, 600 people on the very first night and have been become famous for our Friday nights ever since. Um, it's still the place, I think, tomorrow on the books at Chitano Tulum, we block at 600. We have 600 covers and we'll have over a thousand people coming through our doors in Chitano Tulum jungle tomorrow, uh, tonight, not tomorrow night, it's Friday. <laughs> so right from the beginning, I think we, we did some things that were thoughtful in terms of speaking to an influential crowd that were, you know, creatives, a lot of people working in the fashion industry, the LGBTQ community. There are a lot of kind of groups that we spoke to from the beginning that have remained fans, supporters, friends, family since the beginning and still are, I would say. And in terms of keeping them excited, I would, every year that high season was coming in the first few years, I'd be excited to unveil a new part of, of Hitano. So I say it started as like one bar in a tiny kitchen and then the next year we expanded the dining room and then the next year we added another bar. Then in 2017, we end of 2017, 2018, I designed and built this beautiful room we call the jungle room. We designed it to look like it'd been lost in the jungle for a hundred years, actually, even though it's new construction, it's very elegant and very beautiful and very transportive as all of our concept is, I would say. And that's the jungle room that opened. So each year we've done something to keep to keep our guests, to keep our fans, to keep our friends and people excited and continue supporting us. And in the last decade, you've expanded to three locations in Tulum. The destination has definitely changed since you set up your original outpost. And some even bemoan the town has lost its ethereal luster and has slid into this kind of Ibiza-like mass tourism. What is your take on the transformation of Tulum? I think this is, uh, you know, another great question you're asking here and, and a question on lots of people's minds. From, from my personal perspective, I fell in love with Tulum over 20 years ago and I'm still in love today. Like every time I, you know, get arrive back in Tulum town and get onto the beach road and see that ocean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's incredible. Perhaps it's a different kind of love today. I mean, it's certainly transformed from the raw and discovered nature that, that I saw in, 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 you know, 97 into a bustling sort of center of development, but it's still totally unique and a magical natural paradise. And it's still a direct flight from New York City. <laughs> Those things will never change. Um, you know, I, I would say Tulum is actually at a very important new stage. It's kind of getting through adolescence and moving into being an adult almost, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. Everything is being upgraded. The roads are being upgraded, the infrastructure, security. We have some big international brands are coming. I mean, perhaps, you you know, Chitano could be seen as that as one that, that grew in Tulum, but some international brands like the Soho House, Faina, I believe, a, a, a coming and opening in Tulum. So 
In terms of change, I believe strongly that you have a choice. You resist and you move on and do something else, or you embrace and see how you can be part of change. Um, and we certainly hope that Hitano can play a role in supporting and even leading positive change in Tulum. Um, you know, we hope that we can be bastions of the, the, the good taste, the bohemian taste and style, as well as attracting, you know, the creative affluent sort of gypset crowd that put Tulum on a global stage in the first place. So if we can help maintain and retain and um, some of those original elements and authentic elements of Tulum that made it so special in the first place, I think that's a role that we embrace for Hitano in the change. And your first move beyond Tulum for Gitana was bringing its tropical jungles to the concrete jungle of New York City back in 2018. And navigating navigating since 2018 has been interesting. You know, the first iteration came in the form of a short-lived seasonal palm tree-filled spot in Soho, and that was followed by a year-round location for Gitano, the jungle room in the James Hotel in Soho. Uh, same tropical vibe. Uh, but uh, that closed or evolved when the James Hotel became the Modern House Hotel. And last summer, you launched Gatano Island, which is like a seasonal waterfront restaurant and beach club on Governor's Island here in New York City, which for my listeners out there, it's just a short boat ride from lower Manhattan. And once again, you transformed the space into a Tulum-inspired paradise overlooking New York City skyline. And I was reading somewhere that you brought in like 12 truckloads of sand and 500 tropical plants. So what's your experience been like navigating the restaurant business in New York City? Well, we certainly do drama well. Even hear the drama in your question. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, mainly good drama, but, you know, there, is, there are definitely challenges along the way. So, you know, I'm officially a New Yorker. I was born and raised in the UK, but I've lived in New York City for over 20, 20 years, and I keep aging myself. You know, and I've been to every great restaurant, but until June 2018, I'd certainly never owned or operated a restaurant in New York City. Uh, I mean, I think I even looked down a little bit between us on the industry while I was on Wall Street um, as a kind of a service industry. And, 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 you know, I'll tell you what, I now have incredible respect for the industry and everyone who works in it. It's tough. I mean, it's really tough, but it's incredibly rewarding and incredibly fun. Um, so in 2018, so this is now three and a half, four years after we'd, we'd opened in Tulum, and we'd looked at a couple different locations, more, more tropical, I was presented with an opportunity to bring Hitano to Soho, New York City, two blocks away from where I used to live in Soho. This was January 2018, just after we'd opened the jungle room in Tulum. And, you know, when it was presented to me, I'm like, that's crazy. No, Jatana's not for New York City. And, and I sort of knew this property that had been empty for years with a few sort of pop-up type things, but nothing to, 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 to really mention. But I agreed to take a look. So um, we visited the site. It was the middle of winter, January, as I say, very cold, but crisp and sunny. And saw, and I just, it was Drew, my, my partner and I, I kind of just silent walking around. I, he was overwhelmed. I guess I was too. We almost didn't say anything to each other, but I went back to, to my studio, to my office, and I started sketching and I sketched out the layout that just a matter of weeks later became reality, which is still shocking to think and talk about. Um, I 
I googled coca 30, uh, coconut palm tree farm, Florida. I knew I wasn't going to bring tropical plants from Mexico. I found a farm. I asked the price of a 30 foot coconut palm. And I said to myself, we can do the project. <laughs> and, um, you know, literally within weeks, Scott, we achieved what typically would take you know, a couple of years, we got approval for a liquor license in a 24,000 square foot empty lot on Canal and Grand in the center of Soho junction of Tribeca. We designed and built a 450 seat restaurant full service. I mean, it wasn't a pop-up by the way, people called and thought, it, thought of it as a pop-up, but it was a full scale, full service connected to city main water and sanitary and electricity all of those things we had to do as part of the project to bring under the street and to the site i mean it was incredibly enormous complicated project that we did in in a matter of weeks and we opened the doors officially on so so january i went to the site february we kind of sketched out ideas march we went to the community board april and may we designed and built and shipped everything in tulum kitchens in California, main tent from Canada, or, you know, lots of different places all came together onto the site end of May, June. We hired a hundred people in a couple of weeks and we opened our doors officially. I walked in with Chloe Seveny and for an opening party on June 20th, 2018. It was absolutely insane. That was the moment and everyone looked at this saying, wow, how did that just happen? We changed the New York skyline with palm trees and there's this restaurant. And the first year was very challenging for sure. Um, we had we, we had lots of initial teething problems and challenges. We got through them 2019 much smoother. And then 2020, I would say we were the world's answer to outdoor dining during COVID, if you remember, I think we were kind of one of the, the biggest and most successful restaurants operating in that period. And we also had a great 21. I realized something yesterday. It was, it was just a year ago, March, 2022, that our landlords called me and said, James, I'm sorry, you're not gonna be able to open again this season. So it was always a, a, a temp, it wasn't a pop-up. It was a seasonal restaurant that we had initially two years and we had three and we had four. We thought we were gonna have a fifth in Soho. And we heard in March <laughs> 22 that we were not gonna be opening in April, right. May 22. So we pulled off another miracle. I mean, we literally, we went out to the universe and sort of put the seat out to say, is it right that we, is this, are we just not gonna be open this season or will the right, new location be presented. I was asked if I went by a, by a friend, um, if I wanted a friend and, and small partner in, in Jatana actually, if I wanted to meet Michael Bissordi from Tungsten Partners, if I wanted to meet the trust of Governor's Island. Um, and initially my reaction was sort of lukewarm, I would say, because I, felt, I thought Governor's Island was where Governor's Ball is, which is very confusing, Randall's Island, right. which is a long way from the city. So. I wasn't initially so excited, but I agreed to take a meeting. I got my Uber from my apartment in Soho, was on my phone, looked up, and I'm arriving at Casa Cipriani like seven minutes later. I'm like, wow, this is gorgeous. I get onto the boat. Um, I'm back on my phone. I look up, and I'm it's five minutes. I'm not exaggerating. Five minutes on the, on the boat, 
from Casa Cipriani to Governor's Island. I looked up, got off the boat, turned around, saw that spectacular view of the city. I'm like, wow, yeah, this uh, this is our new home. <laughs> this yeah. is where we're meant to be. So, you know, to your question of, of do I see it as the anchor location, it's absolutely the place that Hitano should always have been and is now. And I'm incredibly excited for the new season that's coming. Um, I did not think as, you know, obviously we would think a lot about what is the next home in New York City. It was hard to imagine going into a traditional restaurant space, even a rooftop, because part of the special transportation, if you like, of the of the Garden of Love in Soho was how you kind of walk in through a door. You don't go to any elevator. You walk in through a door and you're in, a, in this tropical garden in Soho and transported. So it was hard to imagine that anything in New York City could be better. Governor's Island is New York City. It's downtown Manhattan. And um, so to have found a space in New York City that's bigger, it's 30, almost 30,000 square feet. So it's bigger than the Garden of Love in Soho. It's on the water and it's absolutely incredible. So we pulled off another miracle we picked it, picked everything up, and I designed it to move, but it's still an incredible amount of work, as I'm sure you can imagine, um, and put it on ferries across the river and somehow got open just in time for Pride at the end of June. Um, and we had a, a very glitzy, anyone who's anyone sort of thing came to, to the, the Pride opening party. And we, we operated, so it was a shorter season than usual, 90 days. But we served 54,000 guests in our first, you know, because one of the big questions is, will people come? And Scott, guess what? They came. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in boatloads, <laughs> literally. <laughs> so, so we're incredibly excited. We think it's a fantastic home. The trust of Governor's Island are amazing. They're great partners. And um, we're really, really looking forward to reopening our doors with a preview May 1st, we hope. So Gatano seems to have a blend, like a blend business model of pop-ups to test the water in new locations combined with just opening fully fledged restaurants. What is your expansion approach? So it's actually, it's not necessarily been planned uh, and many that way. And many people ask us to do pop-ups and and we say, no, you know, I'm not really a believer in in pop-ups. The only pop-up we've done, in fact, is Mexico City. Mm -hmm. At the end of, uh, during Zona Maco 22, my team pitched me hard to do do a pop-up in Mexico City for Zona Maco for a week. They found a location, connected me with the owners. I met them. I love, have always loved Mexico City. And I agreed to do it because it was very easy to achieve. I mean, it was cost effective. We're already in Mexico. We did it. It was so successful. That is now turning into the permanent home for Gitano, Mexico City. We are reimagining the space with the owners right now. And we'll be launching later this year. That's really been the only pop-up. New York City was not, is not a pop-up. It was always from the beginning, a full service, fully connected restaurant. Um, It was seasonal and it was just for a few seasons, but it wasn't a pop-up per se. 
Another one of the brand's endeavors is in retail. A couple of years ago, you partnered with GQ fashion director Luke Day to launch Soup Catano, which is a retail experience which you called a multi-brand marketplace curated for world travelers. Can you talk about that retail concept and is it part of your plan to turn Catano into this lifestyle brand? When we first started way back in 2013-14, I had fresh in my mind, having been working with brands like Burberry and Vuitton and Gucci and how these brands uh, were creating lifestyles around their product. You know, the art of the trench, the, the Burberry platform was very successful at connecting influencers, showing themselves off in their trench coats. So I had this very strong feeling right from the beginning that hospitality and in particular, a restaurant and bar in the jungle in Tulum is a lifestyle. Um, and how interesting, you know, it's it's an actual Tulum nomadic with with Gitano sort of adding a, a, a bit of glamour on top of that, an actual lifestyle. And I wondered right from the beginning how we could do it the other way around. So a luxury brand as a product and creating a lifestyle, but this is a lifestyle. What if we create product around that lifestyle? And that was really the thought process that gave the gave us the idea for, for Souk Gitano. Souk obviously is marketplace and we, we think about it as um, exquisite goods and essentials for the modern nomad. <laughs> right. So the things that we make, that we design, um, some branded elements. I'm not going to use the word merchandise, but people like to take a bit of Gitano home with them. So sort of perhaps merchandising done at a more elevated level, mixed with curated product from other brands that we love. So so that's the idea of Soup Gitano, a marketplace, um, essentially. So in an industry that requires a certain level of consistency and perfectionism, how do you encourage your teams to experiment and take risks without the fear of failure? <laughs> so, um, you know, this is honestly our business model and my whole approach, I'm a bit of a, a bull in a china shop sometimes, but our whole <laughs> model and approach has, wouldn't have worked if we hadn't taken big swings and big risks. And we've achieved some incredible results as you see, but there've definitely been challenges along the way. And Tulum, born in the jungle, uh, very early on learned to celebrate perfection and imperfection, I would say. Um, and, and that's a very important part of our overall brand ethos. Uh, in Tulum, we've really focused intensely on constantly and consistently upgrading our food, partnering with, you know, um, well-known global chefs, for example, to develop menu a few years ago, and then continuing to upgrade and upgrade the food, the beverage, the service, and ele elevating and high quality, bringing sort of New York level hospitality to Tulum, which didn't really exist previously. Um, and delivering that now consistently and, and, and at, a, at, a, at a very high level is, is, is incredibly important. In New York, we didn't have a cho choice but to take risks and they paid off. I mean, I talked a little bit about some of, some of the things that we did there. Um, and our focus since 2020 uh, is, is really building out a management team that can deliver high quality consistently, even within the seasonal model. In Miami, our partnership with the Faina has also helped with that kind of consistency and perfectionism. Um, we hired, when we opened in 2019, an incredible chef, Antonio Maldonado, our executive chef, who has really upgraded the, the quality and 
um, perfection, if you like, of our, of our food in not only Miami, but in New York and Tulum. You know, it's been said that there are three things you can scale. That's product, service, and feeling. And it's the feeling that's the trickiest. So how can you scale a feeling with Gatano? So first of all, I mean, scalability, having worked in technology and, and Wall Street is something I, you know, I really think a lot about. And high-end hospitality is notoriously hard to scale easily and well because it's so people-driven and based. Um, we've approached scalability, I would say, in a couple of different ways. First of all, the scale of our properties. I mean, none of our places are 50-seat fine dining restaurants. They're all kind of pretty large scale. As I mentioned, you know, we'll, we'll, we should have over a thousand people tonight in um, Chitano Tulum jungle, for example. Um, but, but the second part of scalability around emotion and feeling, I would say, is, is incredibly difficult, but incredibly important and central to our concept. So back to some of those learnings from the fashion and luxury brands, I think they do a very good job at fantasy and storytelling. So they're the elements that I've tried to bring into the design and concepts of Vitano in each location, you know, that fantasy element that transports you in Soho to a tropical paradise somewhere in the world. It could be Tulum or anywhere, you know, and when you're in Tulum, actually in the jungle room, you're transported to, you know, pre-revolution Cuba. <laughs> it's so glamorous. So, so that fantasy creates an emotional connection that I think is actually scalable as we've shown in what we've done in New York versus Tulum. Um, we've also developed a strong culture around Hitano, which is part of the scalability of feeling, I would say, from, you know, the looks to, to the music and the sound identity that we've developed, I think is, is, is unique and adds to the feeling and emotion that can be scaled. So, James, where do you see Gitano going next? Where's the brand going to? You know, we're so grateful to have support and, and people liking what we're doing and the opportunity to, to, to be expanding. Uh, I have, as I, as I mentioned, I mean, I've said no to lots of expansion opportunities because we really want to make sure that each, each expansion, each new element and component of Fitano is good and that we are able to scale not only a product and service, but also the feeling to your, to your previous question. Since the early days, people have said they want to stay with us. They want to sleep with us. <laughs> um, they, they want Hitano to offer full hospitality. So launching Casa Hitano is our next big priority. Um, we're focused on expanding our offerings in Tulum, Miami, and New York City, but I can't say much more than that for now. We are, you know, we are looking at other locations. Um, we, we, see Hitano working in LA to Dubai to the south of France even, you know, and, and certainly potentially Ibiza and Mykonos. But watch this space and all will be revealed. We're looking forward to it. James Gardner, founder and CEO of Grupo Gitano. Thank you so much for coming on Facing the Giants. Thank you for having me. That was fun. And see you in Gitano Island. Thanks for listening to this episode of Facing the Giants. Please tell a friend about the show. Now that you know this show, go check out my other podcast, The Luxury Item. It's a podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the industry. You can find The Luxury Item wherever you found this podcast. Facing the Giants is a production of Silvertone Consulting. 
I'll be back soon with another episode.